0: Hello, everyone. You're listening to Ron Must Listen. Thank you for tuning into our 12th episode. I am joined, as per usual, uh, by my co-host, Ron. Ron, my friend, what's going on?
1: Not too much, man. Not too much. Recovering from an interesting week. Uh, got my second vaccine Ooh. and then went to work the very next day to have to unload a truck with roughly 2,000 pounds worth of slat wall to hang in the store that I work in. So it was an interesting week.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, how how'd that play out?
1: <laughs> uh, my left arm was dead, and I thought that I was gonna drop everything, but otherwise, fine.
0: All right, something positive. And you now you're vaccinated too, so we're great to go. Yep,
1: over, done, and over.
0: <laughs> All right, so everyone, we are lucky enough today to be joined by our guest, Nat, formerly of Transistor Transistor, and presently of the band Strange Light. Oh, 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 oh.
2: Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty great. Um, excited to be here. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, also vaccinated. Um, so it's it's Facts nice. To, yeah, um, <laughs> although Facts although I read <laughs> uh, I read some Facebook posts by John Joseph, and so now I'm gonna try to go get unvaccinated. I'm gonna see if they can.
1: <laughs> I don't know who that is. You want to see Did if you can go back in time? Oh my God, Matt. <laughs> it doesn't have any pretty parts but yeah he was in the Crow Mags. oh uh, okay well
0: you know oh, i don't have, want have, to say it's predictable but
2: yeah i mean did, did you... <laughs> i've seen some interviews and i'm kind of like okay yeah did you miss the whole like uh new york hardcore show in the park debacle that they had? I,
0: I saw the video of it I was just yeah the I... people thinking
1: I just like the people who changed the New York hardcore logo to now you have COVID.
2: Yeah. I thought that was <laughs> also um, well, yeah, that is fucking hilarious. And oh, also are, are we, are we, are we, are we cussing on this or are we trying to keep it? Absolutely. Guys, we dude, didn't do two shits. Fucking say okay. whatever. Okay. Just, um, <laughs> just, just, just making sure. Um, yeah. But I read there was an article that the reason they even got the permit for the park to do that show, they said it was going to be a 9-11 memorial. Ugh. (laughs) Ugh. I I like someone's just like, yeah, Mm. New York will never say no to this, but little do they know that uh, Madball is going to be playing instead. (laughs) So yeah, I'm I'm doing great. I'm able to laugh about life's foibles and, yeah, vac- fully vaccinated. So I'm just out in Oakland. I'm licking doorknobs. I'm eating, <laughs> I'm eating pigeons. I'm picking pigeons up, polishing them on my shirt like an apple, and then just taking a bite out of them. Um, the best way to do great.
1: it. You yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it's a good time of year for that.
2: Oh, yeah. The, pigeon picking. Pigeon picking is good time
1: right? They're in just, season.
2: Just bobbing, bobbing for pigeons. Um, <laughs> it's... It's great. <laughs> oh. All right, everyone. So uh, to
0: get on topic, Nat picked the album that we were to listen to and that we're going to be talking to today. Um, so,
2: Nat, do you want to let the audience know what we're going to be speaking about? Absolutely. We are going to be talking about an album that not only is a, a favorite of mine, but a, a must listen for me. And that's Steely Dan's Asia, their second to last album before they you know their 20 year hiatus and you know this is not a controversial opinion not really a unique opinion pretty widely held opinion but the album when they were at the kind of peak of their studio mania and therefore powers
0: yeah I would agree I know a lot of people would agree to the listener out there who might not be familiar with Steely Dan I don't fully know how you could be but I'll, you know brief history. Um, so Steely Dan formed in LA in 1972, officially the two core members, Donald Figg and Walter Becker, they'd been playing together and been friends since like late sixties. They haven't put out anything new since I think 2003, but pretty regularly, you know, up until COVID obviously toured, you know, played out even after, uh, Becker passed away in 2007. Um, so Asia is the band's sixth studio album. So to get into it, Nat, how do you
2: first find Steely Dan? So, I mean, Steely Dan was around me all the time, but I wasn't aware of it, I think in part because it was coming via channels that I was at best apathetic to and at worst um, antagonistic towards, right? Because Steely Mm -hmm. Dan has a couple of classic rock staple songs yep. you know reeling in the years yeah the older ones right yeah like reeling what is it, in do the it years. again
0: is probably the and they're both off the same album i think
2: uh, yeah they're they're both off uh can't buy a thrill uh the first the first album and i think yeah a lot of people are familiar if you were to like play dirty work for someone they'd be like oh gee, i've i've know that from the sopranos or something right yeah. like it's it's definitely out there ricky don't lose that number was played a lot on, oh like, yeah whatever, radio station I my folks were listening to so I was definitely like aware of them but I think at the time and at the time I kind of really like discovered Asia and immersed myself in this album and their kind of uh, body of work I was not really paying attention to them and so to kind of directly answer the question I was working at a guitar center and this was not the absolute Nader of my life this is not like the absolute lowest point of my life but it was directly following the absolute lowest point <laughs> of my life So we're just picking back up basically. yeah we're just and it's like unclear if i'm kind of writing the ship or not i prior to this i was working at a dip and dots at the mall okay. um and i'm an adult at this point do you in get time. free
1: dip dots though that's the real thing i mean if you get the free dip and dots yeah so you i would got- say just to be paid in Dippin' dots <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which were really expensive. Most of my experience were. At, the, oh, yeah. at the dip and dot stand was someone would or like their kid would just be like, you know, turning into you know Reagan from the Exorcist, just like I need dip and dot. So the parent was just like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, give me like, give me a give me a medium. And I'd just be like, uh huh. And then I'd be like, well, that's $25. Would you like to hear about the installment plan? And this par- this parent would like freak out at me, be like, it's what? I'm like, I'm wearing a Doom Police bastard cutoff shirt, a bullet belt, <laughs> and black pants that looked like they were painted on me. Do you think I'm setting the dip and Dots prices? Yeah, right. I'm not setting the dip and Dots prices, but yeah. So that was that was <laughs> where I was. You know, as you mentioned, the the band that I was doing, uh, Transistor Transistor, which is where know, most of my time and energy was spent, had just kind of not really run aground, but we were more or less kind of like like done touring. And I, I had, that was my plan a, right. My plan a was just to tour constantly. And my plan B was, Oh shit. I don't have a plan B. I <laughs> guess I'm going to work at the mall. So anyway, so I'm at guitar center. I'm trying to, you know, just uh, make a reasonable amount of, of money. And I'm in the back room reading some, you know, magazine. And at this point, like, I'm still very interested in, music, uh, transistor would do another album after this. And I'm, you know, kind of thinking about songwriting and all, all this kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm reading this article. That's like the 20 best drum performances of the seventies or maybe Ooh. the 10, but be- it, it doesn't matter. And it's in, you know, some, some best. yeah, some, it's like drummer magazine. Cause it's in the break room yeah. at, at guitar center. And at this point, I'm like really geeked on Led Zeppelin and in particular, the drum sound on When the Levee Breaks. Oof. So and good. Yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's like I said, I'm like th- spending a lot of time just like thinking about music and music sounds, um, which is something I've done and will continue to do probably forever at this point. But so I'm reading this list and I'm like kind of like nodding my head in agreement. And then I get to like number two and it's when the levy breaks and i'm like what the what what is number one and yeah. i go to number one and it's asia the song asia from the album oh, asia by, by steely dan performed by steve Gad, and i'm like I, I know all those words but in that order they don't make any sense <laughs> to me <laughs> so i bet so i'm just like what and again I say the thing about Dippin' Dots and you know Guitar Center because I don't have a whole lot going on in my life at this point. So I, I like pick up this magazine and like huff out and like, who dare say that Steely Dan is better than when the levee breaks? And I like <laughs> rush home. My dad has all the Steely Dan albums, and so like, and I'm I'm living with my folks at this point again. Low low points, um, but I get his copy of Asia. I put it on and then I'm mostly just trying to like, skip ahead to this song Asia and like hear this drum fail. And then when I do, I'm just like, Oh shit. That article is right. Holy God, this drum performance, this drum sound, this album in general, holy crap. And it just kind of clicked for me. And I, you know, was just like, whoa, this, is amazing and kind of just fell in deep um on that album and the band in general.
0: So what um I'm intrigued was it like the end where he's going crazy?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Dude, right. And that... he's doing all the Ugh. fills with the horn and that and... timing. I don't know if it's odd timing, but they make it feel kind of kind of oh, janky yeah. or something, you know. Dun 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 dun, like it's almost proggy actually
2: oh it totally yeah it's totally proggy and and then right at the very end right where he's like just playing it out and he's on the ride like i was like oh yeah this this fucking slaps yeah seriously like this rules so hard and that kind of won me over and then I just brought the needle back you know to the kind of the beginning of the album and I was like okay this rules maybe the rest of this rules in like a way that I wasn't initially paying attention to and yeah at various points in time like each song on that album I think is my favorite song I mean they're all like Deacon blues is just a massive piece of, of songwriting. So yeah, it, it just kind of hooked me in and I was done from that point on. Yeah. I got to agree. Well, I don't want to put
0: down when the levee breaks cause dang <laughs> <The> intro <laughs> drums to that. Are just, Oh, I can hear it in my head, but yeah. In, so this is one of those things that I sort of like that happens on episodes where an album will get picked that I'm familiar with. I've obviously listened to it, you know, sometimes, but this brings in sort of the element of let's be analytical. Let's actually (laughs) analyze this so I can talk about it at that level. And that was one thing like this album I've played, you know, numerous times, um, similar sort of situation to what you were saying. My dad loves Steely Dan as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But like just listening through and especially it's same same part really the end of Asia just like not remembering how fucking crazy it is and like technical and I was lucky enough to see them play it live actually and I thought at that point I thought it was probably just because you know because it's it's Donald Fagan and then it's a bunch of young young blood you know for the most
2: part so so did you did you see them after becker had had passed away yeah unfortunately okay.
0: they were i live in syracuse new york they regularly would come play this one um casino we have here the turning stone casino whoa <laughs> which you know i've never gone to a concert there but i had always heard it's always older people you know no offense older people um but they would always be like oh the sound is so great and you gotta go there and i'm like wow 125 dollars for a single ticket i gotta not go there ever because i work at a fucking health food store (laughs) that was always right right and i was i was honestly bummed because steely dan played there quite i mean regular it seemed like every time they did a tour like within the past you know however many years they would play there but every time i checked the tickets because i was like you know what I want to be a good son. <laughs> okay, my dad, you know, <laughs> tickets. We're we'll gonna see Steely Dan together. And then every time I look at those, i would be calling t- Turning Stone. Do you guys have like a payment plan or You're something right. <laughs> so I could buy these tickets? Oh, you don't? Okay, sorry. So yeah, never got to see him with Becker, unfortunately. They were still good,
2: you know, when we saw him. He, oh yeah, he, he, I, had- I mean they they get the absolute dream team. Right. They're getting the, like, just most insane players. I saw them while Becker was still alive. Um, I think I was still living. I don't know if I was still living in Phoenix or if I was just visiting Phoenix and the timing worked out. Because my friend Sarah bought my other friend Mike, who is her boyfriend, tickets. And we went, and I was kind of like, ugh. I don't know how like Fagan's voice will be. One, he sounded fantastic. He mm-hmm. sounded fucking great. Super stoked that I got to see them with Becker cuz he went on this like crazy, not crazy, but he did this kind of he just talked about finding old weed and smoking a joint like for for <laughs> like 10 minutes and in the middle like just you know like everyone's vamping, right? Like the song's dying down and he's like your old lady's gone to sleep, right? And you're in your favorite chair. And like all and right, everyone is a generation older than I am. And I'm like, I actually don't relate to this particular experience, but you seem really fucking keen on it. And like, I'm Walter Becker, you've maybe done the most heroin. Like, I'm just glad you're still on this stage. Yeah, right. right. And yeah, they were just incredible. And too, I was like, oh, you know, it was the guy they get you know, gonna be able to, to do what Steve Gadd did and like plays that part and just incredible. And I walked out just like, all right, you're gonna sell every instrument that that, that I own. And that's like a big, <laughs> right? That gets thrown yep. out all the time. Like, oh, this person shreds, I'm gonna give up. But I was just like, everyone there on stage too, I think was like, like the mean age was like 22. Like yeah. these are all young bucks, but um, yeah. No, I'm
0: right there with you. Yeah, I, I think the the outside of Fagan, I think like the oldest person when I saw him was their bass player, mm. but everyone else was some young buck. Their their drummer was some young dude, and yeah, I've de- I think I definitely had the same experience of just yeah. being like, because I I don't know, I try to play everything not well (laughs) well i'd like to play it better but i'm like yeah you know guitar is my main thing so then i'm like yeah i could probably play bass and drums is the thing though that out of everything i'm the worst at so therefore i want to be good so when i see someone like this that's way younger than me just fucking ripping this part that was recorded before i was even born i'm just like i think i should probably stop (laughs) (laughs) so outside of the drum part so we know you go you listen to asia you got to hear what this is about because you know they're saying it's better than zeppelin which i don't know it's awesome but man that that's that's a tough one for me i'm gonna be thinking about that like for the rest of the day what were your thoughts on the rest of the album like when you went back and said okay let's start this over let's see where we're going
2: yeah so you know at this point in time I think I was still primarily into music that I would describe as being immediate, right? That the, what it was trying to do was immediate. There wasn't a lot of nuance in it necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of my go-to and right. A lot of punk fits that description. A lot of hardcore fits that description. Um, You know, there are other, like the, the first, and I think at that point, maybe the second Interpol album had already come out, which I was like really, really oh yeah, su- super into. Dude. Um antics. Yeah,
0: antics, so good, yeah, such ant- a good record.
2: Yeah, ant- antics is is great. Like, and I think to that like the first one, Turn on the Bright Lights, incredible. Mm-hmm. Antics was like great in a great second album where you're like, Oh, this is things that are really awesome you've kept, but there's also new stuff that you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's like, you've got the ability to do this, which I think is the reason I've been tricked into buying each subsequent album. (laughs) um, Oh, you mean,
1: you mean the down, the downfall, like right after (laughs) it's just a cliff.
2: Yeah. and, And I mean, I know we're not here to talk about this album, but just a funny story. Um, I went and saw Interpol when they were performing maybe the 15 or 20 year I think it was 15. Cause that album came out like 2001 or something. Yeah. Um, it was like the 15 year anniversary for turn on the bright lights. And so I went with lady I was seeing at the time, uh, who's also a huge Interpol fan and she had the tickets. She's a wonderful person. And we went, And it was great, right? Everyone, too, was like, is Carlos going to come back? And they were like, no, shut up. Um, (laughs) Stop asking. (laughs) Which I I totally get from, like, being in a band, I get it from both sides where it's just like, yeah, maybe you guys just didn't have a great relationship. But so they play Turn on the Bright Lights. It is fantastic, right? You know, you get to the end, and it's like learning a new language. And I'm, like, tearing up outside in this huge place in L.A. And then they're just like, Hey, who wants to hear some songs we just wrote? And everyone's just like, "Nope." It's just like,
1: they, place they, clears they out.
2: <laughs> they did it like so. I mean, I think they played like some of the the antics hits, right? Like Slow Hands and mm-hmm. some of those. But then after that, it was like, "Here's something from our new album." It's like, "No, you, you guys did this the Slayer way." Encore with the album that everyone wants to. <laughs> yeah, like
0: exactly. Lead them like,
2: yeah. You're just like, hey. We just had a three Michelin star meal. Amazing. (laughs) How would you like
0: a roller dog?
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's like, I've got some hot pockets too. If you want to stick around and (laughs) polish those off. Anyway. So I, I just bring up Interpol as like an example of something that was, you know, maybe off the path of what I was listening to, but I would still say like, I mean, it's, it's a layered album in its own right, but it, it's not layered or nuanced in the way that I'd say that the Steely Dan stuff was. So that was one of the big hooks for me too, is going back and listening to it. I realized that kind of just like bopping my my head to it because once I kind of came back with like New Year's, I was like, yeah, there's all this rules from, from the get-go. Like, you know, the intro to Black Cow, Black Cow, um, and just, you know, from the corner of my eye, I saw you at Rudy's you were very hot like oh I'm yeah like, oh yeah this this fucking is super catchy and i was also like there's a zillion things happening there's, yeah seriously there's so much going on at any given point in time and the genius of it is that i don't realize that there's a zillion like yeah things happening in the car. This is immediate in a sense. Like the vocal melodies are immediate. When they want a solo to shine, a solo becomes immediate or horn line or whatever else. But like, I was really like, you know, in the, I think the kind of classic and romanticized way when people talk about records they love, I'm sitting in front of a turntable with like headphones on, just like looking at the, the needle on the record as if that's gonna tell me more secrets, right? As I was like, were, were you there, precious record needle, when Bernard Purdy laid down the shuffle? Like, tell me more. Um, and so I think part of that, like the, that aspect of it of you know how it's recorded and then the like the lore, the lore of that album lends itself to someone like me who I just, I love a deep dive. I love getting far too into something and steely dan lends itself to that this album in particular because it's just like the recording was was nuts right it's like people on there's you know steve gad's only on that one track right it's an amazing performance not on the other tracks they have um like i think purdy is on two tracks other guys on different ones and what's amazing about it is it's such a cohesive album
0: yeah exactly
2: It's so cohesive, and it's not one of those like, oh, this is, which was probably my only frame of reference at the time, like, this is a hardcore album where we had a guest vocalist, and you're like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes, a very distinct guy who's also doing the exact same vocal style as as the original singer, (laughs) and you're like, this is like, and yeah, it kind of hit from like, oh, these, these, the two guys that make up this band are just crazy people in the best possible way and are executing on this vision and it was just really fascinating to me and, and it works right because there's a lot of examples of that type of stuff where you're like yeah this person had this crazy vision and not only did they not execute it but the vision itself sucked <laughs> so even if they did it would be bad and it was like yeah so it i was just kind of totally in and i mean some of those songs are just so catchy um Oh yeah. And that, yeah, that, that, that's all it took from there. I was just like in and, and kind of obsessed.
0: Yeah. And it is, it really does speak to the Becker and Fagan like that you have not just like a vision, but you're able to literally make it happen. I don't want to say with no matter however many different people you bring in, (laughs) but like you said, there's like so many different session musicians on this, you know, you can't really tell, you know, it does right. just sound like a cohesive album until you look through the credits and then you're like, Oh
2: wow. All these different people played on this. Yeah. And they would record, I mean, there's a documentary about Asia, which is, which is great. Um, and somewhat infamous for them really like glossing over Steve Gadd. Cause I think the legend has it that they were a little miffed that like that performance Right, people were less like, oh, they told Steve Gad like what to do, and everyone's just like, yeah. Steve Gad, like, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but so yeah, they kind of gloss over that in that documentary, much to the consternation of everyone who just is like, did he really do it in one take? Was the, st- <laughs> was the stick hit intentional? Right, and it's just like this, this hyper nerddom around not just an album, but a drum performance yeah. on the album, right? um but yeah they were like oh here's they're sitting in front of a board and they're like bring up the solo like the other solo from josie comes home that we didn't use and they're like oh which one of the 35 Jeez. (laughs) because they were just um you know and i don't know if you guys ever shot saw that show yacht rock the thing that like oh yeah was doing right hell yes yeah (laughs) and they like famously you know taught like uh, kind of joke about how Steely Dan would just be like uh, alright that was your hundredth take we listened back and we actually think your third is the best like that was shit they would really do <laughs>
3: yeah
0: that's yeah, what and- I love about Yacht Rock is like yeah it's it's like a jokey series but the actors behind it know their shit like totally. with the references they they make I they just they do
2: know like that music someone's got a love for it Oh, oh I, 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 yeah. I think it's done absolutely adoringly and it it shows and it's also the whoever's depicting Eddie Van Halen throughout it. Uh, I know. You know Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen, R, RIP, absolutely. Um, yeah, rip. But that he's just constantly like with his tongue hung out like a yeah. dog and just like always tapping on a guitar. But like, because again, that's just like a great depiction of one of the things that I loved about Eddie Van Halen, even again when I was like, guitar solos, boo! Only play fast power chords forever. Ah. Like <laughs> I was like, no one looks happier to play the guitar than Eddie Van Halen.
0: Seriously, like if you look at old footage, he, like he he jump, he's jumping around because he's
2: happy. Like, yeah, he's it, like it's jumping like jumping for joy. This this he looks like a child dizzy on lemonade, right? It's just <laughs> like so so pure and and good. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah. So, so for me, like I said, a lot of it was like the deep dive. But I think like the, the deep dive had a had like more of the payoff because when I was in high school, I, as I'm sure a lot of you know folks did that were into like aggressive music, I got like really into black metal because it was there was so much behind the music, right? There was you're like these murder each other which then as an adult you're like <laughs> is that actually cool yeah. <laughs> you're like <laughs> why did I think that was so cool like like all these people I, I would never want to invite these people in my home why am I so enamored with I'm like they're all fascists and murderers and, I, and you're like oh wait a second <laughs> but like yeah so there's all this behind you know the the kind of behind the album stuff and then you, they're like yes and we went into this and put one microphone in front of the drums and one microphone in front of a PV amp. And you're like, oh, yeah. Go- now that I know everything about the band or this recording, going back and listening to it on like a hi-fi setup does not reveal anything else to me. This is just a really <laughs> terrible <laughs> sounding black metal. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, with like Steely Dan, it's like, oh, yeah, listen to the the, the harmonies that they were having, Um michael mcdonald do right like listen to all this stuff that's yeah. like just layers and layers and layers and so yeah i was uh totally enamored that's
1: now that's what stood s- out to me yeah sorry matt
0: no you go because ron is i don't know ron is still in the hard and fast territory for the most part <laughs> At, per his own this is i'm not like throwing you under the bus i just know in previous episodes no, that's you've made it known so a that's lot fair. of other than, songs other than like, longer
1: leonard cohen and like a handful of other things uh yeah i still i still sit in that territory that pocket's still comfortable but no one of the things that i I liked about this was the flourishes like the little things that don't always repeat themselves either they just come in for a second and they're gone Mm -hmm. and i love that i love i love bands that do that lcd sound system does a lot of that or something will come in for a little bit, or it'll come in for one time, and then it just disappears, and I think there's a lot of talent in doing that, so I was super impressed with that, listening to the album, like, just little things would pop up, and I'd be like, wait, and then it's gone, and and so, you know, I listened to it four times the whole way through, and that was something that I picked up on every single time, was, like, I really enjoyed that about it, and, like, the craftsmanship of the songs is so obvious. Like they know what they're doing. That's, that's incredibly obvious. You, They have a vision that's obvious. And so those things really stood out strongly to me. Um, that was what I loved the most about it was just like the little things that don't kind of stand out upon, like not giving it a hard listen. Like you could very easily just put that on in a car and drive and not pay yeah. a bit of attention and have it low, as background music. You know? Right. But to sit down and put headphones on and give it a really hard listen, like every time i pick up these little different things and I'm like, damn, that's so interesting that they put this little like just this little sound in at this point and then it goes away and it never comes back. I love that. I love things like that on a record. So I was super impressed with that.
2: Yeah. And I I think, like I said, it kind of seems weird to say where I'm like, yeah, it's really complicated, but they're not beating you over the head with it. But that is one of the things I dig about it. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of like syncopation happening and it is Definitely. Times, time signatures outside of four, four, but it's not, it's not like beating you about the head and shoulders w- with it. Right. Where a lot of like, if you're listening to dream theater, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, <laughs> do you know how crazy this is? Or even like, you know, more than the bands themselves like their fan bases right like I think, oh yeah
1: of course like
2: anytime you know when i worked at like a record store and someone would like purchase a tool album i would like, dude
0: read my mind <laughs>
2: like, did you know that th- that they they used an abacus to come up with a time signature for this song and i was just like what that's huh um and, it's <laughs> and like, i got no, nothing it's- against tool but their fans
0: are totally like that oh, uh, oh did no, you I know bubba but and i'm like i just it's, I just in was, right, right. it's in the name. That song was
3: in the name.
2: Oh, this album is for me. This was this was written directly. <laughs> it
1: was designed, designed.
2: At least the tool. For me. You know, I
0: don't want Tool fans to fucking come for us because they could. You know, but at least the Who Tool cares? fans that have some sort of musical knowledge. You know, because there's <laughs> lots of people that listen to Tool that are just like, oh yeah, they're they're cool. They do some interesting stuff. But it's those like, dude, I'm a drummer and fucking what is his name, Danny Carey that fill he did on and i'm just like i'm gonna pass out
2: <laughs> yeah. did you know that he did 3.14 that's the first <laughs> digits of pot and you're like what that doesn't yeah and to me that's Thanks kind the of like golden ratio bro yeah this this song was designed around the fibonacci sequence yeah that's why, good... why does that make if i went <laughs> if i would like apply that to anything else if i go to a restaurant i'm like hey can i get a pizza and they're like yeah, we based the dough on the Fibonacci sequence. I'm like, I don't give a <laughs> shit. Does it taste good? Who, what? Who cares?
0: Then you taste like, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah,
2: I was like, oh, I got to go Everything's got to be in the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah, that's now. why the Nautilus show looks like that, dude. <laughs> I like, can, I, can I wash this down with some of Maynard wine? Um, yeah, it's it's like, um, yeah, that's it's like, it's not good because you did the complicated thing, right? Doing the complicated thing does not inherently make what you did- It also doesn't make
1: it interesting. Exactly. It doesn't automatically make it interesting. That's something that fucking pisses me off when people act like it makes it interesting. It doesn't. It doesn't, it's just something to say that you did it unless it fits. And that's what I'm saying. Like this record, and again, matt's 100 percent accurate in saying that like i like the fast aggressive i have I like musical ADD, but <laughs> but sincerely the thing that i really liked about it is and, I, and one of the reasons i love lcd sound system is that i can listen to this record i can listen to it four times and find different things oh, every time but it fits really well with the music it's not there just to say it's there <laughs> and that's what i loved about it i thought that was a super cool feature of the record that like It's clearly a vision. They have an idea of what they want it to sound like, but then there's just these little moments that like underlie everything and it's super, super cool. So, I mean, yeah, man, I agree. And that's funny. Tool was a good reference point. That's really funny. As someone else who worked in a music store, I totally understand where that's coming from. Does
0: anyone know, is Tool like, I mean, I think maybe I'm coming from it from the wrong standpoint but I come from them from the standpoint that like, they're trying to do interesting things that they think are interesting. But then the fans take it to this level where you're just like, man, I don't want to ever fucking hear about this shit ever again. Yeah, like it would I mean, be, it would be like someone listening to Asia and going the song Asia too, by the way, in the middle where there's almost that, like, I don't know. I call it like the Island breakdown. Cause there's mm-hmm. the piano duh, 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 and it changes time signatures it's like pretty slight but imagine a steely dan fan in the 70s who's all about the music being like you hear that it goes four (laughs) four 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 and then it's two and then it
2: loops again dude it's fucking up like you'd be like dude this is like a pop song though (laughs) right yeah no i mean that, and i can say because when i saw them um in in phoenix Right. And no one's there by accident, if for no other reason than the tickets are due. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's just like people on either side of retirement who are like, yes, our kids are out of the house and so we could get drunk on a Thursday night like we <laughs> used to. Right. Like I'm sure there's, you know, some music geeks there. My buddy and I, he's a drummer and we were like, you know, constantly like, jamming each other in the elbows being like oh my they did it oh my god it's so good but yeah it wasn't it's not just watching a high wire act you know yeah there's a this kind of this big distinction between music that is really complicated and uses that complication almost as just like, you know, a- after notes or uses it in like a, a subtle way, which is interesting because you're doing something that's inherently unsubtle, which is being complicated and using it to create a, a subtle effect. And I also think too, that, you know, everyone in Steely Dan is such a good player. Right. And, Almost kind of hilariously to me, Walter Becker doesn't even appear on certain. There's whole songs that Walter Becker does not play on, right? Because it was mm-hmm. like someone to play this better than me, yeah. <laughs> right? And like he has some guitar solos. There's like whole the entire songs he's not playing guitar. But anyway, like the, the idea that like the other idea that oh, mute this music's inherently good because everyone playing it is. Really good, and to me, the example against that is Dave Matthews' band, where I was Ooh. like, Yeah, they're all great players, but they use their powers for evil. Like, it doesn't <laughs> matter if you're a great player, you can be like, This guy's so strong. <laughs> like, being strong, being a great musician is not that's not a qualitative state. Like that's not yeah. inherent. That's not inherently good or bad. And I get that taste is subjective Um, except my taste, which is just correct and unimpeachable. But like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, you, you can be at a, just because you, you shred does not make what you're doing any good. And if anything that you're like, Hey, I can shred constantly. So I'm going to shred constantly is like, the absolute opposite of that. Yeah, so as, as I was saying, I brought my sister to see Dave Matthews. I think it was Dave Matthews and Friends. It was mm-hmm. not the Dave Matthews band, which meant very unfortunately, there was more acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Dave Matthews was a big fan of the Ovation acoustic guitar. Ooh. Oddly enough, so is a uh, Homeboy from king crimson uh robert fripp yeah uh, I've, I've
0: seen him because he's been doing those like he's been doing those videos with his wife recently i don't know yeah if you've yeah, seen yeah. Of those but yeah i was like Weir, weird this is weird to me
2: <laughs> i this is a, a total sidebar but my inner monologue is just a series of like oh wait this reference um when i was working at guitar center i brought as like a perk because i was selling a bunch of guitars not necessarily ovations yeah. i was brought down to the ovation factory in connecticut oh okay and like give tour of the ovation factory which was really funny because i was like i still don't think making the back of your guitar around plastic yeah. bowl is a good idea yeah. <laughs> and they were just like here's why it's the best idea even though no one else does it either yeah but they talked about how robert fripp came um and also keep in mind i'm with like the top salesman um and it was all dudes i mean this was a fucking absolute i won't even say a sausage fest this was a overcooked <laughs> uh ball, ballpark hot dog fest um <laughs> so it's all salesmen top salesmen from around guitar center in new england so you can just you know imagine this collection of, of folks and they're like yeah this is actually where robert you know frip Fripp came and he brought all the students from his like guitar academy and they basically like stood in a pentagram formation and played weird atonal music for us and all the other dudes who like just look like like they fell out of like a back lot from like a rat or something right like someone <laughs> like you know hear you hear about those soldiers from like world war ii like japanese soldiers stationed on a remote island like found in the 1980s oh yeah no one told them the war was o- over yep. so they're still like servicing a weapon from like 1935 that's like half the dudes from that were working at Guitar Center at the time. They're like, the '80s <laughs> ended, like hair metal lost, and they just know they never got the memo, right? And so they're just it's coming on back, that, man. Yeah, on that <laughs> island somewhere, being like, I heard, uh, no, the Emperor's not dead. Cinderella's gonna put out another album. Like,
1: sadly, so anyway. <laughs> sadly, that's kind of still Pittsburgh. But go
2: on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm standing around with these guys, and the ovation folks are telling this this thing about robert Fripp and those guys are just like who and i'm losing my mind so for the rest oh, of God. the tour i'm like you did you meet robert Fripp? did you talk about Fripp? did you do for i'm just like harassing this poor ovation guy and I'm like, uh, so you know i'm not going to sell any more ovation guitars but you do you have robert Fripp's phone number <laughs> 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 um so yeah anyway, dave, dave matthews band right everyone is just Noodly, 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 and um, and that's, yeah, something I really appreciate about Steely Dan is just absolute peak musicianship, and I think maybe the difference is in the songwriting and that mm-hmm. it is this, by all accounts, not even like a benevolent dictatorship, it's just this dictator, it was this dictatorship of, of the two, the only two members of the band, another interesting note so right they joined the band kind of in existence like when it first started had the singer that wasn't Donald fagan and then slowly kicked everyone else out <laughs> <laughs> which also just speaks to like how kind of nuts these guys are they joined a band like as players and then slowly we're just like you're out and you're out we're gonna actually hire you back as a session guy but you're not actually in this band anymore um jeff and I think stunk. I, we're not doing yeah, shows anymore you're leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, um, but yeah, I think that's maybe the, the difference is like, you're bringing people in exclusively on your terms. You're not just assembling a band of insane players. Like, you know, e- name any like European prog metal band or something. And so that's why those bands are like, Oh, each one of our songs is eight minutes. Every, every player gets two solos. And that's what we do. That's what we do for every song, because that's what, everyone wants to do because they've got these chops to do it it's you've got these two guys who are like you're the best guitar player we've ever heard uh we want you to come in and play like two pentatonic bars and then get the fuck out (laughs) (laughs) i think it's pretty impressive too to
0: have the level of musicianship but to be able to like dial it back like yeah we're gonna have some odd time signatures yeah we're gonna have a drum freak out in this one point or this guitar solo but it's, I don't want to say it's just like jazz influenced pop music, but it is kind of like jazz influence. you know, it doesn't like, if you know, and you're sort of looking for it, you can find like a lot of musicianship in there, but it's not recorded in such a way where like you were saying, a lot of these like tech metal, whatever bands, if you are not into that and you put that on for someone who's not in or oh yeah I like metal. What? Yeah, what Metallica? <laughs> right. You know, black album or fucking whatever. They're going to be like, "Dude, what the fuck is going on here?" But this is something that you can play for I feel like you could play it for numerous different sort of like sex of people who, you know, maybe you just like kind of smooth music. Okay, check this out. Oh, okay. I dig it. You could play it for people who are you know interested to you know musicianship and sort of maybe even jazz stuff cuz this i think was like their first sort of full on foray into like okay we're doing a lot of jazz chords a lot of these weird sort
2: of changes and stuff like that yeah i mean the, the jazz influence from them was was always there right always there always known but i think yeah they really I think in song structure as well, we're like, yeah, we're going to have that more move away from like the exclusive kind of pop song, A, B, A, C, you know, mm-hmm. whatever structure. Um, but again, yeah, it's not like, Oh, it's, it, it's so crazy. They're, they're always switching it up. Like another thing, you know, around the, the early two thousands, especially in aggressive music fast and, and loud music was that you were supposed to, like you're supposed to get an award just because you fused two completely disparate parts next to each other in a song. Right. Like there was that whole big trend of like, it's crazy. It's like one second, it's like grind. And then the next second it's like fucking a skiffle song. And you're like, that no, that's bad. Like, I don't know why that's on its face commendable. Um, yeah. I remember that was <laughs> the, I don't need to actually uh, shit talk this band, but a, a band I mentioned before we were recording that we toured with uh, to disastrous <laughs> results. I remember seeing them the first time and it was, it's like sparkly piano and then like pop punk singing and like, death growls. And I likened it to going to an air show, right? You're going to see planes fly overhead and you see a plane fly by and you're like, yep, that's what I paid for. <laughs> and then you see a bus fly by and you're like, huh? I guess that's also like a vehicle that carries. And But as you're processing, seeing a bus fly by, then a hot dog flies by and you're like, what? No, that doesn't even make any sense. And the person next to you is nudging you being like, isn't it amazing that they flew a hot dog too? And you're like, no, I came for jets. Like, why are you putting this flying hot dog in and trying to convince me that that is superior to just a cohesive result? So yeah, I mean, on that kind of point to it's not that they're just like yeah hey like we made it this is good complicated give us praise because it's complicated hey we changed it up give us praise because we changed it up in in my opinion they do all that stuff and the end result i think to your point is just good for most people that you would right i can put asia on if i'm having folks over for drinks dinner yeah and no one's like, yo, what are you doing? It's not like I'm putting Naked City on, right? It's not like I'm putting a, a John Zorn album on and it's just sc- screeching. And as I like put dinner out for everyone, I'm like, no, oh, but guys, you got the- all these guys are great jazz players. You've got to <laughs> a- appreciate the effort, right? It's like people just like bop their heads to it. And I think, um, yeah, just the-, the multifacetedness of it for me is, is great. And we haven't got into this yet, but also love the lyrical content.
0: Yeah. That's one thing that they've always been known for is I say that dude, the word acerbic is thrown around so much. And I had to mention it on this because it's like, I feel like you can't fucking (laughs) read a review of a Steely Dan album with whatever fucking music critic being like um the acerbic wit and, <laughs> da, 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 and they fucking mocked that shit out on Yacht Rock too which was when I when I saw that I was like these guys really know it, it was an episode with Steely Dan and the Eagles <laughs> oh yeah well- <laughs> and the Eagles are listening to their album and, and the, I can't remember if, if it's supposed to be Glenn Fry or whatever leans over and he's like wait was that acerbic wit that I heard
2: <laughs> Are they mar- are they mocking us with dark sarcasm yeah it's <laughs> It, yeah, but, yeah. It is funny. Cause like I do, I, I love the lyrics. Um, and I think it also slotted in with what I was like more into at the time, which was like, you know, kind of like noisy hardcore or whatever um, that, you know, that was often kind of like just, you know, negative or like self deprecating or just, you know, whatever it was. And you've got a song like Deacon blues that, it's just an ode to being a loser. Yeah. Like it's an ode to being of a failure. Right. And it's, it's not this like jock jam. Like I'm, I'm great. It's yeah. There's uh yeah. Al- Alabama's the crimson tide, the winningest football team. That's not me. Call me Deacon blues. I'm a, yeah. a fucking loser and I'm going to live my life like a loser. And yeah, there is just something, or maybe losers the wrong word, but like I'm gonna live my life like outside of that. Yeah, like an, an outcast. I like yeah. I don't care. I'm gonna be a weird jazz dude. Um and just and yeah, and just songs about like the kind of counterculture stuff of, of their time, right? A, a lot of ink is spilled over which songs are about uh you know, gay, gay men or gay relationships and um, you know, as singing about that openly, you know, from a band, like, you know, at this level was like, not really, you know, being done. Um, and just, I mean, that's, that's what they're fascinated with. Right. Like, especially Mm -hmm. in comparison to the Eagles, also all great players. You know, I, I think I don't have an opinion about the Eagles, like one way or the other, um, Garrison, the bass player of transistor, his dad, I believe told us a story and I don't know if he just knew about this or actually saw this happen, but whichever, like some guy p- p- parachuted onto stage. I think Don Henley, I think parachuted what? onto stage and just missed the stage and just like <laughs> ate shit next to it, which is, I want to believe so badly. I just Dude, so badly. Wanna I want to,
0: because no offense, I will say this. I have, I have some musical opinions that I will admit are sort of shitty, and I don't know what they're necessarily based off of. But even though I'm not like a huge Eagles fan, I always was like, "I bet you Don Henley broke up the Eagles." <laughs> That's yeah. Where I always was. <laughs> just like with the, and no offense, just like with the police, I was like, "Sting broke up the, you know, these are just things." 100. So to hear about Don Henley potentially eating shit <laughs> trying to do something, so like. <laughs> Like, fucking Paris, you on a stage. I'm like,
2: yeah, that's cool. Where's your boards of summer now, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, but yeah, like the Eagles, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know what they're talking about. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, Hotel California, like, might have some cool lines in it, but even, I mean, you know, you can come any time or whatever, you know, you can enter anytime you want, but you can never leave. Like that's not even that cool of a line. Like that's a cool line. Cause you're yeah, everyone like,
0: dude, hotel. Calif- well, I don't know. My, my thoughts on that are like people like that song because of the dual guitar solo. Right
2: <laughs> and trust that's me, I am been my thing. I am a sucker. I am a. you could be like, Hey, there's an, I mean, part of the reason why I ended up loving the, the fucking champs so much. Cause I was like, oh, you took the part that's just guitar harmonies and you made that your genre? (laughs) You made your genre just guitar harmonies? (laughs) Like, yeah, so I'm always, if that song's like on classic rock radio when I was like delivering pizza, I would say, much like Metallica's One. Uh, One, Metallica's One is amazing song, but I'm just like, yeah, give me fucking guitar harmonies all all the time. But yeah, no, the, the lyrical content, like I said, it, it just made more sense for me, especially at that point of my life. It was relatable and it was vague enough to um and I don't mean that in a bad way, like right? just right It wasn't like about this one specific thing, right And it wasn't just like you know, our house is a very, very fine house with two cats in the yard. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's about your relationship and how Life it's going used to be so hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think I know what this th- this is about yeah. or like uh, other like things of the era. And I know I'm painting an in incredibly broad, you know, strokes here. But it's like, OK, the, the Grateful Dead, you're singing about vague stuff. But I'm pretty sure it's just that you're all on fucking drugs. Yeah. <laughs> like that. That's what you're. <laughs> yep. you're getting. Yeah, where Steely Dan did this for me, what was a very interesting thing is like, yeah, some of these are just about, you know, this is about the interesting relationship you have in your life or the destructive relationship you have with like a person. And it was more nuanced and creative than a lot of what I was getting from like punk and hardcore at, at, at the time, which, you know, often was just someone shrieking about how you know, typically their girlfriend had destroyed their life. Um, and so it was very welcomed on, on all fronts. Yeah. Cause with
0: me, I listen to this album and however many listens, I'm still, I still don't know what a lot of the songs are about. Yeah. I, but I think it's because they're interesting. They're telling like these stories. It, it always has kept me into it. Like the song Josie, for whatever reason, I'm like, what is this song actually about? It used to play. I used to work at a grocery store. This is like years ago, probably when our old bands played together. Actually, yeah, we yeah. talking like 2005. I was like a cart pusher at a grocery store. And for whatever reason, they had some live version of Josie that just played always on like the music, like every day I heard the song and sometimes you hear songs every day and you're just like i never i'm gonna kill myself if i hear this song again. Right. but this actually weirdly had that reverse of like what are they talking about <laughs> like what in josie has like also i don't know not really but the intro guitar to me is like almost like kind of scary or like mysterious like i know that's yeah oh kind of weird
2: i think yeah and if it's in yeah the opening chords are definitely modal and and i already apologize for making this otherwise cool podcast uncool by talking about yeah. scales scales and modes um but yeah it's like it's like a, a mo i forget i i hesitate to say it's phrygian if it's not phrygian because someone will get mad someone at berkeley the college of music that like they just got a hot feeling on the back of their neck and they're like, it's not frigid. It's the Dorian. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And like the, the song, I mean, it's basically like a song about you're throwing like a block party for someone that's coming back from a trip and it doesn't sound or it doesn't seem like more complicated than that. But you know, knowing their dark sarcasm, like (laughs) it, it could be right. You're like, well, is, is this what this is about? Yeah, it's probably like, I mean, lyrically to me, it reminds me of like, "Boys Are Back in Town" and what's yeah. that song? It might be the first song on the Zombies' "Odyssey" and "Oracle" about like someone coming home from prison. But yeah, it's so like you're th- you're basically just like throwing a party for someone. Um, But again, uh, unclear why or maybe that's a metaphor for something. But that, we'll that was
0: know. always my thing. Is that? Is that what's actually going on? Because, but maybe it was, maybe it was always I approached them from like, okay, these guys aren't going to lay it right out there for you. I'm probably going to have to analyze this on some level. And it, maybe it is like you're saying, no, no, it's just about this. Like,
2: didn't you read the lyrics? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, especially on Gaucho, right. There's a lot of lyrics that are just like, we like to get fucked up. <laughs> like that's what, and yeah, and so I think there is a lot of that. And based on one Walter Becker's biography, and also his little uh, stage rant that I mentioned, I was like, "Yeah, I, th- I think Walter Becker just likes to get fucked up." Yeah, and so Dude, I
0: like to party.
2: All right. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, <laughs> like Fagan, like... make it, make it sound however you want it to sound. Mix around the lyrics, however, but this is the ultimate thing I want to get the point across. I'm yeah. It's like,
2: party. Yeah. Th- this song is about getting wet as shit <laughs> and <laughs> you can describe that however you see fit, but ultimately that's what's, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. And something to, to, to geek out over. Oh, but I've, I've got to mention, cause you had said before about how you, know, you can play this for someone and like I said, hopefully. Yeah. My comparison of like playing it against Naked City. Or, so, or, you know, just some, like, tech tech death um, oh, yeah. where people wouldn't be like, please turn this Even off. some
0: more extreme, like, jazz. You know what I mean? Like, some people, for whatever reason, that puts them off. I don't know what their fucking problem is, but...
2: Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of, like... I played Bitches Brew for someone once, and they were just like, is this on the wrong speed, or <laughs> is this... New? Like, but I used to play Asia because James, the drummer of Transistor, and I loved it because James is just, like, a you know, music. And he was like big into Prague and shit too. We were listening to like, like yes, in the van, a bunch, but Brad was not a fan. Brad was just, but as I'm sure you guys know, that is part of the dynamic of being in a touring band when you are in a van. So it's part of being in a touring van, right? Yep. Like if you're doing like bus tours and this and this is also like pre everyone had their own headphones. Yep. Um, right. Like, I don't know if we ever toured while I had a cell phone, like e- ever. So like the, if you drove, you chose the music, and like yeah. the first transistor, he would listen to Captain Jazz all the time. Which sure. I'm sure, sure this will offend some folks out there. Not your could team. I? I could not take it. I was like, <laughs> if I have to hear, Kitty Cat, Kitty Kitty Cat, one more <laughs> time, I'm going to kill all of you and then myself. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but steely dan was the thing i mean there was there was other things out there i'm sure but like there was always that one where like someone else had veto power over it and like you'd fight about it but brad just did not fuck with steely dan and recently he sent me a text that was he's like his wife laura who's who's awesome he's like yeah laura's just been playing a ton of steely dan he's like and i think he didn't even like know it was steely dan at some point he was just like oh this is this is great what is this she's like oh it's maybe it was like Katie lied or I don't even know what album I'm sure he would remember Asia just because, you know, it was a, a point yeah. of um, but he was like, Oh God damn it. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> so he like texted, texted me about it. And I don't think, I don't think he ever played anything that I couldn't abide by. It was really just that first drummer playing that like, cause it was also like 90 minutes. Of, of Cat and Jazz. Oh, okay,
1: it. it was the uh, oh, was like it that discography. Double discography. Yeah, yeah the
2: alphabet top
1: of the Disc one's top, okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Sorry, haters. People going to hate me. But the, the full <laughs> length I'm okay with. But I don't think I could do it back to back. I
2: have. I, I think if I listened to that, it would trigger some type of Manchurian Candidate like thing in my brain. I must kill the Queen. Yeah. And I I would just be like, I would like quit my job and be like, I need to go on tour and play basements for 90 days exclusively. Like it would just (laughs) bend my brain somehow. Um, But yeah, so I actually, I have a direct experience of playing Steely Dan for someone, them hating it. And then later, (laughs) them listening to it and be like, oh, this this is this is fucking smooth as hell. So
1: I think the funny part of that is that I don't I don't specifically hate any of the stuff that I've had to listen to. Hate would be too strong of a word, but I struggle sometimes to get through things. Mm. So like Mogwai was one of those things for me oh, interesting. that I had a harder time to get through. And I did. I did the first two times I listened to this really, really struggle. Yeah, you I knew Matt me, I like, had, Yeah. And I knew Matt had a more of a background with it. And it's probably too a resistance to Steely Dan because my dad liked them. And I was like, yeah, fuck that shit. I'm not listening to his bullshit. And so it's kind of, it's kind of that possibly too. But you know, the more I listen to the record, there's more things that I, that I took away from it that I actually did enjoy. Like I said, I like the little moments and that's a big deal to me. Weirdly. Like it's how I got into LCD sound system. Like, I remember a friend of mine really was into them and he was like, oh man, you got to listen to this band. And I was like, the first time I listened to it, I was like, mm, I don't know. This is a, this is a tough one for me. And then he's like, no, listen to it again. And then I remember the first time I listened to it with headphones, change it for me. I was like, oh wow. There's this little thing that like pops up. That's interesting. And like, I'm not a musician. I can't play anything. I can't sing. i all I do is listen. Like it's a religion to me. Like all I do is listen to music constantly. So yeah. I, I had a hard time the first two times by the third listen, I started to listen to it with headphones and then I was like, okay, I like this. I really like this. But each time I listened even like a lot of times I was putting it on while I was at work. So I was able to listen to it through like a really loud system and I would pick up on little things, but listening to it in headphones, there's an intimacy to the yeah. record that I really like too.
2: I agree. It to no, like I said, when I dropped on the needle and just kind of like, you know, cited wh- where the grooves were put onto Asia because I was, was like, "I need to defend Bonzo's honor." Right? Um, <laughs> he's like in overalls in heaven, drunk, smiling down at me, like, "Thanks, kid." Um, <laughs> and, and listened to it, and I was like, "Ah, fuck this! Yeah, this rules so hard." And then I, I like, "You know, was sitting cross-legged with with headphones on, and it really, it's such a great headphones album." Um, it is cut because they were just nuts about this has to sound amazing and like really Mm -hmm. knew what they were doing in the studio there is a depth of of sound to it that even though like a lot of the drums aren't i think with like depth depth of sound is like most at hand for folks when you think of like big roomy drums right and you're like oh the drums sound like they're in a room you feel you feel like you're in a room like a lot of the drums are that very tight near jazz type of sound but there is like at the risk of sounding completely absurd it's kind of like that magic eye puzzle thing where you're like ah oh, but that dolphin's behind the other dolphin we're like the way the horns layer and the guitar solos and just like the you know they'll have very like noticeably you're like this guitar tone is different than the other solo tone and they're in different channels and like the whole thing yeah it's it, it's a treat i'm glad you got to listen to it and and dig something out of it because as we were talking about before it's like This is all like everyone's kind of heard Steely Dan. They're all over the place, but I think most folks, especially folks that gravitate towards the more loud and and immediate music probably have not spent any real time with them outside of like, you know, if your dad got a a cool CD player (laughs) in his car (laughs) in like the nineties.
1: I think, I think it's that I grew up with my parents for a very short period of time before they split up and I went to live with my dad's parents Mm. and our relationship was always slightly tumultuous so there was never like a connect with him so my connect to music was more through my grandfather when I was younger so it was more like he was into like the Beach Boys and Simon and Garfunkel so I gravitated toward those things and then my stepdad came into the picture and he was like fucking Slayer and Pantera (laughs) And it was just a whole new world of things a whole new world of things opened up from that from that channel but no, I, I actually think another thing that, that I found super interesting about the record on the whole too is that I think a casual music listener can enjoy it because it does have those moments that are kind of poppy and like radio kind of yeah. friendly rock rock music. But if you're somebody who listens and like really listens to an album, you can pick up on the nuances that are in it. And I and I, I love records like that. And that's something yeah. that I admired about it. It's like, I love the nuance. I love those little those little moments. Just stick out to me. And you know, I'm a lyrics guy. I'll be honest. I didn't read the lyrics. I probably should have taken some time to do that. Particularly because I love. I mean, I love Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. And Leonard Cohen. It's all lyrics. It's not. I mean, I could give a shit less with the music. Some guy could fart on a fucking snare drum the whole time. I'm not farting. No fucking snare it. drum.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> just one of those. I just don't care. Like when it comes to those types of things. Like I definitely gravitate toward like the tone of voice and the the singing on it was excellent too. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the tone and the way that he, he actually puts kind of like the structure of his voice throughout, which is a big mm-hmm. deal to me when I'm listening to an album as well.
2: Yeah. And it, it's interesting because he, you know, Fagan wasn't going to sing. And I think really, yeah. Cause right. They had like the, the on the first album, there's that other yeah, it's that other guy and granted dirty work who has the other vocalist is one of my favorite songs by them. And I've definitely like, you know, gotten drunk and put it at, on the jukebox at bars and like said to no one in particular, like if you don't relate to this song, man, you're like, you haven't lived. And they're like, you're 30. Why are you, what, what are you talking about? Like, but yeah. And I think basically they just like, it was kind of the one time where they were like, all right, we can't find someone to do what we want. Uh, fuck it. I guess I'll do it myself. And I think it, to me, like, adds something nice because Fagin, they could absolutely find better vocalists, right? They could find people with golden fucking pipes. Oh, yeah. And it adds that kind of, again, like, yeah, these are, like, kind of degenerates. These are just, like, jazz degenerates. And this isn't, like, the best vocalist. And it lends, to me, it lends something to it. I think, yeah, in those ways where it's, like, you know, a, a lot of my favorite vocalists throughout like punk and hardcore stuff. It's that they're cool, not that they're good and like they become good via being cool, but like, they're not proficient in what they're doing so much as they're like just really committed to what they're doing.
1: Right. I like, I like how sometimes the vocals can act as their own instrument and they have a structure in the song themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. Like the way that somebody actually highlights a certain point, you know like connor obos from bright eyes can't sing at all in my opinion (laughs) right (laughs) but i like i like a lot of his stuff i like i mean like so i mean those things are fine i i don't mind somebody who can't even stay in tune i don't again it doesn't matter it's just how it fits with the music and yeah so i definitely agree with that
0: I got something that I actually wanted to talk about in regards to this album. That's weird. Like, yeah. so I know I mentioned my dad, like Steely Dan, but growing up, they aren't a band. I really remember hearing, like I remember him playing like Tom Petty and the heartbreakers and uh, what grateful dead. And, you know, there's certain bands. Oh, dire straits was another one. Like I remember them, but I don't remember steely dan so much in that even though we had the records i remember their name um i remember learning that they're named after a fucking dildo from uh what naked lunch or something (laughs) like that correct but i don't i didn't remember hearing them so weirdly i think my first exposure to this album in a real backhanded where not backhanded but sort of backward way was this album is sampled to fuck by like rap artists yes And there's three songs specifically that I know of. And I looked them up because I'm like, these would have been because I remember hearing them and then listening to this later. So well after that point in time, being like, oh, that's what that's from? What the shit? So one of them is a song uh, by Lord, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns called Deja Vu. Yeah, And it came out in 97. That one sampled Blackout. Basically, the whole song is just Blackout and right, the right. rapping over it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Peg was sampled uh, by De La Soul. I mm-hmm. was a song called I Know. And then maybe more embarrassing was it was also sampled by Joe Public on the 1992 radio hit Live and Learn.
2: <laughs> I... And my brain is an absolute clogged garbage disposal of pop culture nonsense. I don't think I know this Joe Public song.
0: Yeah, the chorus is, you've got to live and learn. But really what they sampled from Peg was just that do, 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 do. And so I remember the first time listening to Peg, I guess as an adult, or at least listening to Asia. Like, I'm going to listen to this album. Everyone says it's good. My dad likes him. Fuck it, let's do it. And hearing that, and I was like, oh, that's what that's from? That, like, moment is from this song? Okay, cool, man. So, there you go. Come at me, crowd. That's my. That's sort of how I got into. Well, not really how I got into, because I didn't know that any of those songs were Steely Dan samples back in what the early '90s when they're coming out, and you know, late '80s. But it right. was something that when I listened to it later, I realized like, holy shit, this is sampled. And I actually was looking into it last night. I think like, I, I don't. I don't listen to rap. Sorry to people who do. I'm not putting you down. I'm just not really familiar. But uh, I think. There's a newer guy named uh, Wiz Khalifa. And I guess he sampled a song of theirs. I think he sampled Josie. And it's just the main riff, like, over and over Mm -hmm. again. But, like, sped way down. So it's interesting, though, that I guess something... I mean, there's probably lots of albums, right, that have that sort of appeal. But interesting to me that it would have appeal to so many, like, hip-hop artists, you know?
2: I mean, I think what yeah is interesting about it is it's like has been so thoroughly sampled right it's not just like oh yeah that one song like has been sampled like a handful of times there's i mean on asia and like uh, you know others there's so just a a yeah hip-hop samples from steely dan a ton yeah yeah i I think it's like a, a testament to the album right that like folks that are intentionally looking for something that's really hooky and really catchy. Yeah. Either like the Uptown, which is just, I think the entirety of Black Cow, right? They just like, there's like, we're just going to sing over this. Um, (laughs) Because yeah, a lot of that other stuff is like, oh yeah, this is from like a known soul song or something, but we, you know, you kind of use it once and it's from a single. Whereas yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that like Every song on Asia is sampled, not only in something like obscure, but something yeah. that, you know, probably like charted in some capacity.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's like you said, it speaks to the music that they put on on the album. So I'll say this, Nat. I know you had mentioned it earlier. I'm still gonna ask the question though. So I know you said at maybe any given time, any song on this album could be your favorite. We always yeah. like to ask, I mean, do you have favorites that just like run the the test though that are, you know, with this album, they would always be considered your favorites? Uh,
2: I mean, that's a good question. I'm very much a favorite album person. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes if I have a song on an album, that's like my real standout favorite, I actually don't that the album almost suffers as a result in in a weird way. Like example, and this could have been like a close second for me of an album, you know, I think every is a must listen for folks. Uh, Rocket from the Crips, Scream Dracula Scream, just an all time album for me. And that is an album I will listen to and just like listen to again. Their first album after their like long hiatus, uh, which is called Group Sounds totally good album, but there's like a couple songs on there that it's just like after one of which being Savoir Faire, like after that plays, I just hit repeat and hit repeat and hit repeat and hit repeat. But ultimately it's like, it's not as good of an album, right? Because it's like, no, Mm -hmm. there's just like a couple of real bangers on here that are head and shoulders above the rest. It's a little less cohesive. So if like, you know, gun to my head, I had to pick a standout favorite it might be deep, but it's so hard. Cause I just, I love it as an album. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it is I'm an album person for a really long time. I've like geeked out about the album as a, as a medium, right? Cause it's relatively new. It's new in terms of music, even in popular music, it's relatively new. You know, the talks around what the beach boys and the Beatles were doing, like, and trying to formulate an album that wasn't just Hey, here's all the singles that were put out and the record label is compiling it together
3: <laughs> to try yeah. to make
2: more money off of you. And it's also very interesting to me that like with streaming services, we're moving back to more of like a singles model. Mm-hmm. And yeah, blah, that's blah, blah. a bummer. Yeah, I mean I think I think it's good and bad, right? Cuz people are still buying LPs. It's it's and for me, yeah. You know, not to be like an old fuddy-duddy about it, but there is something about the LP record as the original form of the medium in an album. Right. And it's, I remember like having these conversations with, with Alan Dutches when we were mastering transistor stuff. And he was like, yeah, you used to put the single, the third spot on the album. Cause that's where the vinyl sounded best. Right. Cause like vinyl Ooh. sounds different, right. It sounds crappier as you go in. And especially like back then when they were pressing, you know, thinner, Yep. And stuff. Yeah. So I, am every album I've ever been involved in is still structured. Like knowing that the vast majority of people will listen to it online, knowing the la- vast majority of people will just pick like a couple songs and throw it on a playlist or something. I always still structure it as like, this is side A and side B. <laughs> 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 and like, if I'm not mistaken, I think for the strange light LP, we actually there's a break, you know, between side A and side B, like on the whatever digital version. Like there's a, a lot. The, the longest break in between songs is between where the song, the last song on side A and the first song on side B. Whereas like every other song is just like boom, 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 boom. And the per and the idea was like we're forcing you to turn the record over, even though you're listening yeah. to it on like AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> we're <laughs> like, forcing this experience on you. Um. So anyway for me yeah it's just a part of why I, I love it is that it's a great album and as someone that loves albums it just it hits me where i live
0: it's a good answer and i agree actually too just mine's a little bit different i like listening to this and sort of like ron like just like listening as many times as i could and sort of like analyzing it i was like man the hits keep coming like that's literally like my analysis of this which is not like the smartest thing but really outside of um outside of home at last and i got the news every other song has some sort of deep connection where i just and those aren't even bad songs i mean they're groovy as shit and enjoyable but uh you know for me it's weird that i would almost view the album as in well, which are my least favorite songs because all the other ones were sort of at
2: almost an equal level for me, you know? Yeah. No, I, and I remember when I saw them, it was one of those things. And, and there's a few bands like this. Like if I go and see Hot Snakes, there's not a song they could play where I'd be like, boo, next, right? I'm just- They're like, incredible. Like, yeah, just just love, incredible. Just lo- love everything. I remember seeing with actually- Brad and, and Garrison from Transistor, we went to New York to see what was then going to be their last, like when they were breaking up the kind of first time and they just played like, they opened with, I think they just like opened with all of Suicide Invoice, right? <laughs> they just like played it <laughs> almost if I'm, I'm probably misremembering and, yeah, and just like play just like whole chunks of their albums, like straight. And I was just like, yes, this is exactly to- totally what I want. Um, but no, yeah, to your point about like, it kind of being all bangers. It's also right. It's a seven song album that I want to say is about 40 minutes long. And also for me is just like, that's perfect, right? Like you can, mm-hmm. that's like the perfect length. I also have a lot of opinions about why rain and blood is one of the most perfect album from like, again, like a media medium standpoint, like, mm-hmm. like there's a, a standard for this. There's a version of this that exists that everyone kind of understands. And what you did with it within that structure is one of the best versions of that. Not just the music that you wrote, you know, this fucking tight 25 that just rips, just grabs you by the the neck and keeps you there the whole time. But two you know, one of the d- downfalls, and I'm not someone who's like, ah, CDs ruined music, boo. But something that you like saw, and I remember growing up with a lot, like buying just CDs, especially like punk band CDs or whatever in like the 90s, people's attitude was, oh, the CD holds 72 minutes of music. Let's make our album 72 minutes long, <laughs> right? That <Yeah>. was, <laughs> you said the amount of terrible fucking Southern California, like epitaph punk shit. That's like, oh, do you want like 21 no effect songs? Of course you do. Here you go. <laughs> and it's um, like that, yeah. And so I hadn't, you know, cause I wasn't as a kid, like listening to Rubber Soul, you know, necessarily. And so it was kind of be like, oh yeah. Like these guys get a fucking album and who knows maybe they would have gone nuts and you know, released way more, but I mean, you could still do double LPs back, back then. So yeah, I just really appreciate everything about that. So
0: I'm going to ask Ron, actually, Ron, what would you say your favorite songs were? If you had,
1: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I really liked Deacon blues. That was probably my favorite track. But I, I, again, I agree with the album on the whole thing, which we mm-hmm. talk about this almost every week. Like yeah. for, for the two of us in particular, I know I, I don't super love <laughs> like singles bands even for the most part. And yeah. I'm not a big like pop radio guy. I, you know, I kind of hover in like the indie and punk and hardcore stuff. That's what I listen to. Even like, I don't get super deep in the classic rock. Some stuff's cool, but it's just not something that I gravitate toward. But I do like when a band puts out just an awesome record, like Fleetwood Mac Rumors is a great record. But you can't just go, oh, this song's good because without it in the context of the record, I feel like it falls apart. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel that way about specific things. And I thought this was one of those for me personally where I feel like even though I really like Deacon Blues I feel like out of context I don't know how much I would want to just put that on by itself like I feel like it has to be in the context of the album. So yeah, that would be if I had if I had to pick one that would be the one that I would pick but I think again the album on the whole is the the better listen.
0: Yeah, I agree. This is a good one.
1: And like, and, and sad, to sidebar seven songs, you know. Yeah. To sidebar off of that The Steely Dan thing that we were talking about beforehand was that I didn't know much about Steely Dan other than that I love Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. And in their Oh Hello Netflix special, (laughs) there are many references to Steely Dan. At one point, I believe they say God bless Steely Dan toward the end. (laughs) So there's tons of Steely Dan references in that if you're interested in comedy at all.
0: I'm also going to throw out there that what Nat and I have talked about in this episode, Yacht Rock, you can see like all the episodes on fucking YouTube. They're like, what, two to four minutes long. They're all very short. They're very funny. Steely Dan isn't in all of them, but they're in some of them. And they don't they make Fagan like he doesn't speak in English or something? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's always, just like, <laughs>
2: well, yeah, he's always <laughs> scatting. He's just like skipping it, but. And then Fagan is, it's like a Star Wars thing, right? You know how in Star Wars, like someone could just be a like, gloop, glop, gloop, glop, glop, and someone just and understands them? Like, and the person next to him is like, he says he wants a hamburger, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's how they have it. That's set how up. it is. Yeah, he's like, he's like, we must go now, Donald says. So, like, it's, yeah. And if anyone's on the fence w- with it, if there are like, right, people that like community or, or Rick and Morty, it, it features a very yeah. young Justin Royland as Christopher Cross. Chris- and if you're <laughs> one of those people who's put off by the Rick and Morty fan base, uh, don't worry. Their fan base, I don't think, gives a shit about it. And just yeah. go check it out anyway. Yeah, Justin Justin, Ro- Justin Roiland's Christopher Cross is just being this like like, so hay- s- like off the bus hayseed. seed. <laughs> so fu- I don't know why it's so dude. Funny. I love him in the it's Halloween so funny. episode like which is like oh.
0: so ridiculous because it also has eddie van halen and it's got <laughs> jeff the Scum baxter see none of this is really making sense but uh highly suggest watching it like i said they're all on youtube um i don't know what the quality is
2: gonna be because the show's pretty old they they are like three 320 yeah like, like they are yeah it, it, by today's standards i mean because now you can shoot something on your cell phone, and it looks yeah. better than you know, like a a multi million dollar movie that was shot in the '90s. Like you, you can film. I can film something on my cell phone, and it will look better than oh, the yeah. mummy. The mummy, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, they definitely look like they were filmed with a potato using you know fucking shoestring for film. But yeah, they're great. Check out check out the Yacht rock stuff just so many yeah. little like where they keep demanding that michael mcdonald you know, oh my the, god jeff, so good jeff baxter's like if you know give us a hit it's out of the doobies You're and the it's doobies. like the appreciation for knowing that was the exact opposite of what was going yeah. on <laughs> oh it's so good
0: there's a lot of, uh, and actually a lot of the i think a lot of those actors went on to do uh that show drunk history that I, I think is fairly popular so i think yeah. if you watch it you know you're gonna recognize a lot of the di- like doug benson i remember was on a random episode as one of the judges <laughs> in the songwriting contest between hall and oats and, oh, <laughs> and sorry. Oates! <laughs> dude i could i could nerd out about the yacht rock show well, I used to have an old Microsoft Zune, so throw the hate at me, and I'm not anti-Apple. <laughs> I just had a Zune, but I had all the episodes of Yacht Rock <laughs> loaded onto it. So if I was, like, going on a bus trip for a show or something, I would just blow
2: through them. Like I said, they're, like, four minutes tops, it's, and it's, it's worth so, It's so good. Um, whoever the guy is that plays Kenny Loggins. Yes. I, I don't know... I, I hope he's gone on to have an illustrious career because that dude is so good. He's, he's so, so funny. Good. At that. <laughs>
0: oh, it's so funny. I'm probably, once we finish recording this, I'm probably going to go watch all
3: those yeah. episodes.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> that was a sidebar, but semi-related. So I'll say this, Nat. People have heard your bands. They've heard Transistor, Transistor. They've heard Strange Light. Do you personally feel like this album has affected you in a musical way? I know you earlier, you were talking about different modes and stuff. So, you know, you got that musical backing, but do you think as far as songwriting or anything like
2: that, it's influenced you in any way? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say directly, right? Cause it's, I-, I think there's the kind of like direct influence of like you hear mm-hmm. something and you're like, I want to approximate that without, getting in any kind of hot water (laughs) right you're like how do i get really close to that so not in that way but kind of as i was saying before about like i think about albums and the way i think about albums is definitely influenced you know by 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 steely dan for in this album you know in in particular because i think it's just such a great example of of an album so if there's anyone that's coming to this you know just by way of steely dan purely and you heard the, the two aforementioned bands, and you're like, oh, this band is influenced by Steely Dan. <laughs> you're going to be a little upset. <laughs> um, but, I'm not going to hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 uh, um, but no, I think, yeah. It's an, kind of a, you can
1: hear it in Power Chord Academy.
2: Come it, on. totally. <laughs> totally. <It's, laughs> I think we used like three different snare drums on Erase All Name and Likeness. There's, you know, there's some studio tomfoolery <laughs> happening. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say, like, as I approach, songwriting. And I've never made this connection like directly, but like in particular, strange light is a, a very, what I would consider like immediate and kind of straightforward thing. Um, I think maybe we have a song that's three minutes and that while not like directly influenced by Steely Dan is going to kind of just brought like the way I think about music more broadly is it's like, I know what I can do. I know what my strengths are and I'm not going to try to replicate, right? Like Steely mm-hmm. Dan has influenced me in not trying to sound like Steely Dan, right? It's just like, no, leave this to us. <laughs> leave this to the <laughs> professionals, right? Stick to really riffy, like kind of guitar-based music. You're, you're not bringing Bernard Pretty Purdy in. Um, do you know that story? Have you heard him tell that story of when no. he came in? Oh, so, this is so good. And he has Just do yourself a favor. Bernard Purdy has these like instructional videos where he's like talking to you about just playing the drums. And he's just, he is like the Eddie Van Halen of playing drums. He is so happy to be playing the drums. He is just like, yeah. He is just so stoked to be playing all the time. I watch them if I'm ever just like a little down and he's just like talking you through doing the shuffle and shit, they're amazing. But he's talking, I think it's on the Asia documentary about how he comes into the studio and because you know he plays on Peg and he plays on one other song that I'm mad at myself for forgetting. But when he would come in, because he was like this you know, well-known studio guy, he would bring these two signs with him. Or maybe it's Fagan describing that, that this is what's happened. But Bernard Purdy would come in, he'd get behind the drum kit at whatever studio and he'd put two signs on either side of the drum kit and the signs read, you did it you hired the hit maker. (laughs) (laughs) How amazing is some dude show bringing signs with him. They already paid for like, I I mean, maybe he was working on spec. Yeah. Right. But like, yeah. And so another just treasure from Asia was, like I said, I don't know if Purdy tells that story or like I said, I'm 99% sure Fagan tells that story just like learning that that was happening. Like he comes in and it's just like, I rule. <laughs> and I, I, I got signs printed to let you know how good I am. <laughs> Jeez. That's awesome.
0: Well, Nat, thank you so much for that story. Thank you so much for speaking to us. We've been talking for quite a, a while now. And I think both Ron and I are super thankful you came on and spent this long just talking about this album and everything. So to sort of wrap it up, if you were to say to the audience, why do you think they should
2: check out this album? It's just, uh, it's a great album. And you know, everything we've talked about, the musicianship is top notch, you know, all, all joking aside, the dark sarcasm of the lyrics. Hey. But I think the lyrics are really well written. And, you know, it's either something that I think will maybe like immediately catch for someone. They're like, oh yeah, I love, you know, smooth jazz influenced pop music from from the, the 80s, and 80s or if you kind of came into it when i did where you know i was like m- pretty much just listening to things on ebullition records or whatever like i don't know maybe it can be uh, o- open a door to to other stuff that that you're into and yeah it's worth checking out and it's totally easy to to find right it's on every single streaming service yep. Listen to do it with headphones um yes like Ron like Ron was saying I think you will find even if you're not head over heels with this album I think you will find something that is that is of interest that that kind of grabs you and makes you go like oh interesting and you know that's in my opinion I think that's a good use of your your 40 minutes
0: yeah can't agree more so, and thank you so much again Nat for speaking to us for bringing this album to us Ron thank you as always for being on here with me and putting up with my sidebarring and everything like that um so to the listener next week we're going to be joined from evan from the band reds he's going to be talking about his pick d hoffnung's album elegies and creation songs um so ron i'm going to
1: give you the final word uh, man nate just thanks for coming on man i appreciate everything huge fan of transistor really like the strange light stuff Hoping you can get out to uh, Pittsburgh at some point in the future and we can uh, hang out and chat. I, I,
2: I would love it. Look forward to strange light coming through Garfield arts and, uh, <laughs> and getting run out of town on a rail. <laughs> no, pre- pre- appreciate you guys doing this. It's, it's really f- awesome. Uh, and thanks for, you know, just keeping up with my absolute, you know, broken dam of a stream of consciousness. So I, Really appreciate it. This has been a ton of fun.